Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and owning it Average and owning it Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous. What? Hi everyone. Hi. Maddie's nervous. We're not sure why. It's not like know. this is a, we were just talking about how we started in well, we started in April, technically. April 14th. Oh, okay. Memory. I I looked it up the other day. Um and now we have been doing this for way longer than we thought we have. You think we oh you'd think we'd be better at it by now, but we're not. No, we're not. It's so weird to me. I know. All right, Maddie, how's your week? It's good. Yeah. I've been working from home, which has been really fun. Mm, I wish. Um I actually get a ton done working from home because I just have no distractions. Oh. The only the only downside is that obviously I'm just stuck at my house all day. Oh, see, I can't focus at home. I can focus way better at work. But it's also because I'm like not working with other humans. No, I like being at home. It's all cozy and I can like switch around my location. I think I just yanked your earring out of your ear a little. I can just switch around my location like once I'm tired of, like, working on my bed, yeah. I'll go to, like, my dining room table. And then oh, I just feel like crazy. a new woman. Okay. But I can't really do that at my desk, at my job. True. Like, I just have to sit at my desk all day. Mm. That's fair. So, yeah. How's your week been? My week has been good. Um, I, Yeah, my week has been good. But I'm trying to think of what has happened okay. this week. What are you I hiding? I don't know. I don't think I have anything fancy. Oh. That's okay. It's just an average week. Yeah, yeah. no, it was no, but it was a really good week. Yeah, you're I had, to have I had an a good work week. week. It was good. It's a good time. Cool. Um, aside from you know the, the basic, the world imploding, which is as per usual at this point. Trump's second impeachment, which was good. I felt good about that one. How did you feel about that one? Uh, it's just hilarious because he has what ten days left in the office. Yes, yeah, I know it was pointless, but also. I think it's just kind of nice that that's going to be on his record forever. You know, like the only president that's been impeached twice. Right. Yeah. That feels good to me. My, um, and I honestly don't care about sharing this at all because I think it's absolutely insane. My dad is planning on going to the next, um, rally. The the next one, Mm -hmm. like. Because mm-hmm. he thought the first one right went really well. Yeah, the he, yeah, he liked that one. He thought that one was cool. So Scott. So he's gonna do the next one. So um, Scotty, no. Scotty boy. Oh, uh, Scotty. So how he, do we get to this man? Well, yeah, like, no. He's like the very depiction of what of prop like how propaganda works. Hmm. Like he's been completely indoctrinated. So I don't know. This might be my last week of having a father. I'm not sure. <laughs> um. Anywho, Maddie. How are we phrasing our hot take? Because Maddie and I were just in discussion and figured yeah. it could, should be something that could be discussed. We were just debating um, who is more, what's the word? Intimidating. Intimidating. Because I don't feel that I'm intimidating at all, but I, Haley thinks I'm more intimidating than she yes. is. And my opinion's the exact opposite. I think you're way more intimidating, intimidating than me. No, but here's the thing. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm more outwardly... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, You're I'm more outgoing. I'm more, yeah, but that was, well, like, I don't know. I'm more outgoing than you, I guess, but not technically. I don't know. No, you, you for sure are more extroverted than me. No, I'm not more extroverted. I'm introverted as a human, but I'm more outgoing. I think, okay, I feel like I'm introverted. Yeah, but so do I. But you're more introverted than me? I think so. I think I need way more alone time than you do. But yeah, I'm more outgoing. Yes. Like you I'm are more, more, you're more talkative, yes. which is hilarious. Which I think makes me not intimidating. Because you're more talkative? Yeah, I think you're more intimidating to me because I, I think other people would, It's I think it's hard because we've known each other for so long. Yeah. But I think that you, like other people would find you more intimidating because you're not necessarily going to like, you're not easily impressed. <laughs> you're, well, you're not. Like people could, like, you're not, like if someone comes up and they're like, oh yeah, Maddie's going to be like very impressed with my status in the situation you're like <laughs> no like I don't care you mean like if someone tried to no like, like you're not going to be a try hard with anyone okay yeah I agree with that 
but that makes oh, me seem no, but intimidating. I don't no, I don't think that, that I'm necessarily a tryhard, though. And I don't I, know. I don't think, okay, this is the difference. I don't think you're impressed by tryhards either, but no. you're nicer about it. I have a hard time giving, like, a sympathy laugh. Yeah. You're, you're like, oh, let me cushion the situation because I don't want you to seem, like, I don't want you to feel yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm kind of like. Oh, I hate this. No, I'm just like, I'm not going to be fake. Not that you are, but you giving a sympathy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I say like you giving a sympathy laugh no, versus true. me not. If it's a matter of who's faker in the situation, it's me. But I do sympathy laugh some people sometimes. No, you do. Yeah. But you're not callous. You're not like mean. Uh, I but hate. I think if people had to guess, though, of which one of us is mean, if it was like either Haley or Maddie's mean, they're going to guess you over me. No, I feel the, ex- the you think exact. You people think I'm mean? Yes. Because no you way. have way worse RBF than me. No. I don't have RBF. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I don't. You have it worse than me. No. I don't think either of us have it. Bro, I'm having an identity crisis. No, so am I. I, don't I don't ha- ha- you have always known you have RBF. I, I never knew I had RBF until this exact moment. <laughs> You're this lying. feels like the moment. You're lying. This, Don't crack my knuckles. This feels like the moment where one time Grayson told me that I, he, he said something about like, oh yeah, you know, like whenever people, they make you uncomfortable, they talk really close to your face. Kind of like you, like you talk, you're a really close <laughs> talker. And I was like, Grayson, what the hell are you talking about? He was like, yeah, you're just a really close talker. And I was like, no freaking way. And now almost in every conversation, I'm always like, like I'm backing myself up a little bit because I think I'm talking too close. You don't know you have RBF. I do. You 1,000% have RBF. What do I look like? I can't do it. I don't have RBF. Oh, you, shut up. No, I don't think I do. Like, your straight face. Let's both go straight face right oh, now. Okay, 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 okay. I can't do it. But I don't think I can either. Your straight face is way more scary than mine. But, like, uh, now I think I'm going to be thinking about it too much. Because you know how your straight face is different than, like, your straight face mirror face? Yeah, because yeah. you're in the now mirror, I'm you're like... like that was a, oh, Ooh, ah, these shoot. cheekbones, Dang, baby. Girl, you're like pursing the lips a little bit. This is just like. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, you don't look mean. But I don't think. I, <laughs> yes, you do. No, I that, don't. That oh, I hate that. I, I hate know. that people think I'm mean. No, that I don't would. think that people think you're mean. I think that if it came down to who looks meaner. I completely disagree. I don't think. Okay, but granted, neither of us are going to think we're intimidating. I low key love when people think I'm intimidating, though. Really? Yeah, I think I it's a don't, weird. It makes power me feel move. really uncomfortable. Really? Like this one girl that she's a student worker and she works in our office for um, a different team. She was like, she told me the other day or a few months ago. She was like, "You are so intimidating to me," and I was like, "Really?" And she like went on to tell me why. But in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh. That was the first time I ever thought that I was intimidating since high school. Mm. Okay, but what makes an intimidating person? Because I think people are intimidating for different reasons. Like, I might be intimidated by someone and not want to talk to them and then intimidated by someone and want to be their friend. Well, I think that's the reason why this is messing me up because I think intimidating people that I don't want to talk to are just rude. Yes. Like, no, I, I agree. If it's like an intimidating person, I'm like, okay, you're intimidating, but I also don't really want anything to do with you. Yes, exactly. I'm intimidated by mean people. I'm not intimidated by confident people at all. No, me either. I don't think But I, I think either. that's why people would think that I'm intimidating. Or at least that's uh, what the girl told me. Okay. She was like, you just seem so confident and like comfortable and it's really intimidating to me. I remember, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year at Southeastern, a girl who I thought was really cool came up to me and said like, Hey, I just want to let you know, you are so confident and I'm just jealous of you. And I remember looking up at her and I think I said something like an idiot along the along lines of like, I'll kiss your feet. No, no. I was like, I think I said something along the lines of like, no, I'm actually just an idiot. Like, I don't <laughs> know what's wrong did. with you. I'm actually just stupid. Like, That's how not... I feel. No, like, that's how I feel too. Yeah, that's why. I... Okay, so we think we're stupid, but somehow that makes us intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I have a negative connotation with being intimidating, though, because I think, like, mean girl. But I don't think, I, yeah, but I don't think we're not mean girls. No, I know, but that's why I don't like the thought of me being intimidating. And I don't yeah. think that you look like a mean girl, but you could be. Like, if you were a mean girl, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
<gasps> really? Yeah. I remember one time Tori, one of my sweet, sweet roommates in um, my freshman year of college, said that she didn't think she was going to like me whenever she looked at my Instagram, whenever we like, first agreed to live together. And she, I guess, said to the, one of the other girls, and her and I ended up being really close. She was like, I just, the first thing I said was, she looks mean pretty. <laughs> she just looks like she's going to be really mean. And I was like, Tori, you're like my favorite person on earth. And she was like, I know, I know, I was I know wrong. Yeah. 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 I think there is definitely an element in the least conceited way from both of us that you look like pretty girls are scary. Like, I think other pretty girls are scary. That's true. Yeah. Like, there's an element there because they have like some sort of. Aw, but like. I don't want to be ugly, but I also don't want to be mean. And I don't think I'm that pretty. No, I don't think I'm that like, cute. I'm, not on I'm the, certainly not we're that We're not cute. on that level. I'm not of, cute like, enough fear. to be mean. No, you shouldn't fear us because <laughs> we're, like, too pretty. Like, it's just a lie. Like, we're, we're yeah. eights. What? We're eights, baby. Oh, I thought you meant Enneagram 8. That's where my brain went. No, no, no. <laughs> but I don't know what I'm trying to get from this, but I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, no, I agree. Okay, so basically this all poses the question of... We're asking you guys. We're asking you. To go to our Average About Owning It Instagram. Because we're going to put up a poll. If you just... Are we just doing this based off of... if you, I just saw you. Yeah. Saw you from across the room talking to somebody. Who's more intimidating. Yeah. Well, that... I want to know that, but I also want to know what makes an intimidating person. And is it a compliment to be intimidating? Because to me, it's not. But to me, it is. Oh, I like I would I don't like anyone describing that of me <laughs> mostly because obviously like when you meet you when you're you like you like if I didn't know you but I thought you were intimidating like when I meet you I would be like oh, oh like no she's just a moron no she's just hilarious and like fun and gorgeous and, and, and incredible <laughs> and perfect and then when you meet me you're like oh you're weird no shut up no shut not up. in a bad way i like being weird i'm just well, saying no. like people <laughs> would just be like oh she's like goofy yeah 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 like she's not like which i don't think i come across goofy on these podcasts because we're talking about death a no, lot she's she's weird as hell yeah but i'm just saying like whenever people get <laughs> i to wish know i me, could like, like oh i thought you were so scary i wish you i laugh could at, insert a clip of the way that you were laughing in the kitchen earlier when we were just standing there what were you laughing about oh you were just teasing me and you came in there and you're like <laughs> you did like the goofiest stupidest laugh i've ever heard come out of your mouth like that's what i wish i could be like i could just say like oh no she's dumb yeah exactly like that i just want that to be like a bubble on top of my head like yeah. don't be scared she's freaking nuts i want the bubble of the time do you remember that one time you guys threw that surprise birthday party for me whenever we lived um in autumnwood and i fell down the stairs uh, whenever I, I threw my leg over the banister trying to be funny yes. and then i fell and i just no, toppled on the steps you don't remember that at all no i like oh. okay well it's pretty funny i'm not gonna lie okay are you ready for some murder or what See, here we go with the murder. Yeah. So this is not helping with the goofy vibe, but this is a 2020 episode that I just watched the other day. So I'm basically just regurgitating the 2020 episode. Oh, I thought you meant like it happened last year. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, like 2020, the show. I got you. Um, And it was so good. And I am, I don't know, I don't, we don't talk about it enough. And I wish actually I would have thought this out because I would have played a clip first, but it's okay. We can, we can insert it. Well, no, but I'm saying to you. Oh! But it's okay, because we're going to... We'll, we'll go back, and we'll... I'll insert a clip on our Instagram, too. We'll figure it out. But um, this story is the story of the dating game killer. Ooh. The reason that it is called that is because... Did you ever hear of the show, The Dating Game? Um, From, like, the 60s, 70s yeah, into the 80s? Yeah, it's like... No, that's Battle of the Sexes. What? You know the game? No. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Um, well, The Dating Game was one of those shows. It was, like, the original show of, like, girl, three guys behind the curtain, one contestant, one, two, and three. She asked some questions. Okay, yeah, I know. That's The about. Dating Game. So yes. that's whenever the show was created, which we'll get into. This um, serial killer actually starred on the show. Oh. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But um, this guy's name is Rodney Alcala. So this is like the very melodramatic way that they phrase this in the beginning, which really, really got me in my feels a little bit. So I, I was this this made me teary eyed while I was watching it. Oh, um, 
So basically they say, if we had to guess, Rodney Alcala probably found Christine Thornton while she was hitchhiking. They think that she probably asked him for a ride at a gas station um, somewhere whenever they were in Wyoming. They think that he offered to take her to a bus station. But of course, we don't really know how any of this actually went down for sure. Um, for sure. Because in the summer of 77, Christine Thornton disappears. So she's 27 years old. She's known as like a free spirit. Her and her boyfriend decided they were going to go to uh, Montana to go gold mining. Apparently this is like the thing of the day of like, oh, if you're like a free spirit, you're going to go out and just like mine for gold and get rich. So she's from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and so then whenever they're in Southwest Wyoming, she gets into a fight with her boyfriend on the drive. Yeah. And he leaves her on the side of the road. Well, the thing is she's pregnant. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, and, like, and I don't even know how pregnant she was, but she was, like, several months along, like, enough that it was, a like, she was pregnant, pregnant, and he knew that. So he leaves her on the side of the road. I don't know if he thought that she was, he was going to find, he was never tracked down. So they don't even know, like, if he was ever planning on coming back for her or what. I think that's, like, the most disrespectful thing ever. Like, mm -hmm. not even that she's pregnant. That adds a whole other level to it. But, like, kicking somebody out of your car in the middle of nowhere. No. And you know who has that story? Someone we both know that went to SEU literally was in the car. I don't think I know this story. Yeah, and he kicked her out of the car and was like, no. And drove <gasps> Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screwed up. Very, very screwed up thing to do. That's awful. No. Don't leave anybody behind. Unless that person is physically trying to crash your car or murder you. Right. There's no Okay, way. yeah. That's Anyways, fair. So. Keep going. Um, the, their, Chris's family, she's known by, her name's Christine. She goes by Chris. What is your little dance move? <laughs> <It's> kind of. <laughs> like Chris Jenner. Like, just like Chris Jenner. Is her full name Don't not squeeze Chris? my knee. You're thinking about it now. Christopher I'm, Jenner? I, ew. What's her real um, name? Chris, I would assume Christine. Christina? My mind is blown if Chris Jenner's real name is Christine No, Jenner. it has to just be Chris. Crystal? Krista? Krista? Chrysanthemum. Wait, does she go by Chris Jenner still? Mm -hmm. She can't be anything else at this point. She can't go back to Kardashian. No. Or her, what's her maiden name? I don't know. Okay, can can we get back to murder? Cuton is her last name. Oh, Kristen. 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 I guess Jenner? it makes sense. Yeah, Christina. I think she would have stuck with Christina, but Kristen sounds more juvenile than her. I think. Anyways, okay, so, um. Chris's family doesn't hear from her for a long enough time that eventually they go to San Antonio and they try to make a missing persons report. But they basically say is that Chris is an adult and if she wants to disappear, she can. So five years end up going by and that's all we know about that. Wow. So um, let's flash back, shall we? Sure. 1968. It's L.A. Um, this is whenever the dating game is first created in Los Angeles. It is the girl behind the partition, like we said. And apparently this was like the big thing. Like families gather to watch the show every night. It's like, oh, this is on once a week. It's on, I think I put it on here. It's on Thursday nights or something. And so it's like a family staple. But like we can come back and watch this. What are you doing? She's eating my goodnight. Sorry, you eating my goodnight. Um, so around the same you time. In so are you asking me? No. I don't remember that video. No, I do. Whenever back you back it is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Southern California, there is a, a hotel that's called the Chateau Mermont. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a famous hotel at the time. This is the... I don't know why everything you're doing is stressing me out. Um, Our toes literally barely <laughs> touched, and you're like... Freaking out. <laughs> um, Tally Shapiro. So she is eight years old. She's staying with her family at the Chateau Marmont because her fa her family home had caught on fire. So the family was staying there temporarily for a while. So Tally is walking down the street. Remember, she's eight years old. Mm -hmm. A man pulls up next to her and he said, hey, I have a really beautiful picture that I'd like to show you. And she told him, I can't really talk to strangers. And she kept walking. As she should. Right. And so he trolls up next to her and he says, like, wait, no, I can show it to you. I know your parents. And she said that she wasn't trying to be rude. She felt super uncomfortable. How old is she? She's eight. Oh. I know. So she's little. Like, as an eight-year-old. I mean, I feel like I would feel... Did your parents give you, like, a code word? I tried to get them to give me a code word because I thought it would be cool. And they know. I think we decided on something stupid. My parents... My but they dad, would have never remembered that. Oh. My dad specifically was like, 
if someone comes to the school and tries to pick you up or like someone tries to talk to you or like the neighbor's dad says something like, Mm -hmm. and if they say like, oh no, it's fine. We know your parents always, always, always ask them like, okay, what's the code word? And I had a few times where like one of my neighbor's dads like told me something be like, oh yeah, your mom and dad said you could stay for dinner. And I'd be like, uh, they didn't tell me that. Like, what's the code word? And they would say it to me. Oh, really? So they knew yeah. it. Like, they knew to say it. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, if if that, like, mom or dad or whatever turned out being horrible later, right. they could later use on, the word. Later on, they could have. Yeah. Which is kind of a trap. Yeah, but, but in the snap instance. Um, So he comes up to this poor little eight-year-old girl, and he's like, hey, I know your parents. I'm going to ride you to school. Ooh. And she was like, okay, you know what? I felt uncomfortable, like, not saying anything. So she ends up getting in the car with him um that is but then she said she started to get a really bad feeling in her stomach whenever he said oh yeah we have plenty of time let's stop by my apartment really quick i'm gonna pick up that picture i wanted to show you so now um unbeknownst to this man there is a good citizen across the street who notices this interaction between the girl and the guy and he realizes something is fishy so he decided that he's going to follow the car back up to hit this guy's apartment. So he follows this car. Oh, my God. Right? Um, and then whenever he sees this guy walk this little girl inside his apartment, he calls the police. And he was like, yeah, something is weird. I think it might be a kidnapping. He calls the police. So the police show up. There's um, a man named Chris Camacho who is, like, the sweetest man in the um, documentary that I watched. He just, like, it's he's still, like, so heartbroken over it. Was so he the one who, caught, like, followed him? Yeah, or no, oh. he's not the one who followed him. He's the one that came to answer the call from the guy who oh. said, like, I think something's weird. He goes to the location and he calls in for backup once he gets to the apartments and he knocks on the door and inside he hears shuffling, but no one answers. And then a man pops up and says, oh, sorry, I was in the shower. And But he notices as he sees the man in the window that he didn't have clothes on, but his hair wasn't wet and he didn't have a towel on. And he's like, nope, this is, this is not okay. And he said, you have three seconds. Or I'm kicking down this door. And he said he gave it like five seconds and he just knocked the door down. Well, whenever he knocked the door down, he said he was shocked to find a mass of blood right there in front of him. Uh, he said there was clothes, shoes, and a dress are thrown to one side. And then he could see the body of a little girl. Now, hold on. Don't panic yet. She has a steel bar across her neck. <gasps> He assumes that she's dead automatically. So backup comes. They're looking around the apartment for the subject because now he's disappeared. And there's just chaos everywhere because they're trying to figure out if the little girl is alive whenever they hear her cough. And so they realize that she's alive. Is and she so, playing dead? No, she wasn't playing dead. She was unconscious. Oh. But she starts to like kind of come to a little bit. Oh, okay. So she coughs. And so the police officer has to decide whether he's going to go chase after this guy and find him or if he's going to administer life-saving aid to this little girl. Right. And so he decides to save the little girl. Well, apparently the backup is standing out by the door and thinks that whenever this police officer like yells out like she's alive, call call an ambulance. The guy from the back who's watching the back door thinks that he's calling for help. And so he runs after him, leaving the back door open. Well, the subject, whoever he is at this point, runs out the back door and completely disappears. Oh, shoot. Yes. So, um, Tally, the little girl Tally, is bleeding out, but she's clinging to life. They find in the apartment that the man who lives there's name is Rodney Alcala. He is a UCLA student in the photography department. Oh, gosh. Um, so shortly after her recovery, Tally's family moves to Mexico because they can't get away from everything that happened. And apparently Tally's family, like, never talks about it again. They were just like, let's pretend like this never happened and just, like, went on with their lives. They are over L.A. and everything follows them. Go to Mexico. That comes back into the story later. So they start asking about Rodney Alcala, trying to track him down. So they go to the UCLA campus. They start asking professors. And the professors all say, like, you have the wrong guy. This guy's awesome. Like, there's no way he did this at all. So very much not like your typical – because usually people are like, ah, there's always something a little bit off about him. But these people aren't saying that at all. Hmm. So – Background on Rodney. So Rodney's born in 1943 in San Antonio, Texas. He has an absent father. His mother moves himself and his siblings to the L.A. area shortly after the dad disappears. Um, He's known to be highly intelligent. He has friends. He has an education. He joins the Army in the 1960s. So everything is, like, pretty normal up until this point. But Mm -hmm. around that that point, he goes AWOL a few times while he's in the Army. Well, while he's in the Army, he gets a vacation where he goes to New York when he goes to New York, he assaults a girl, hits her over the head with a Coke bottle, 
like trying to knock her out. Um, but he doesn't end up actually knocking her out. The military gets word of this. They release him because they say he's having a nervous breakdown. Hmm. But apparently medical professionals at the time were like, no, we think it's like something more intense than that. And basically the military didn't want to look into it. Hmm. And so they just honorably discharged him. Hmm. So he decides to move to L.A., this is where he enrolls in UCLA studying photography. He lives less than a mile from the hotel at the time that he abducts Tally Shapiro. Oof. So um, three years go by later. They have never been able to find Rodney where he went. And they think like, oh, he must have gone to Mexico because they just assumed like he can't be here. The family just went there. Right. But they, did, they weren't worried about that. Once it's out of jurisdiction, it's like who cared. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on the top 10 most wanted list when they get a call in L.A. Rodney Alcala had been captured in New Hampshire. So not even anywhere close to Mexico. Yeah. <clears throat> this is because in 1968, um, a year after this, John Berger applies to the NYU School of Arts. It's him. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Um, he's been a fugitive for three years. You get to choose your last name and you're choosing Berger. That's actually a good point. I didn't think of that. Weird. He like, said, I can have anything I want. Smith, Johnson, Brown. Something just like very basic. Yeah, that like if you look up John Brown, you're going to get 300 people. Right. There's Yeah, you'd be John fine. Berger. John Berger. That's him. Berger, baby. John, middle name, Cheese. thought <laughs> <laughs> you liked that one. John Cheeseburger. <laughs> That's good. And she put John. her hand on my shoulder and said, That's good. John Cheeseburger. Um, this just went away. Anyways, um, New York in the early 80s is considered a feeding frenzy. There's violent crime like ev- absolutely everywhere. It's completely rampant. So Alcala is basically a- able to fly under the radar and nobody there is looking for him. It's in the 60s. Like I know. It's so sad. All these stories that happened when the police sucked then more than they do now well not even that they sucked they just didn't have the technology which like yeah they sucked they're in different reasons now we have less of a reason to suck they sucked then because they had to (laughs) now they don't have to they just want to they just are yeah um so around the time is whenever he meets cornelia crilly she's a flight attendant living in manhattan with a bunch of friends in an apartment she's engaged um, when one day her fiance Leon gets a call from her mother that she hasn't been able to reach her all day. So her fiance goes to her building, knocks on the door, gets no response, calls the police. He breaks down the door. Um, and that's when they find Cornelia is dead inside. But here's the thing. There are 2000 murders that year and they have nothing to go off of, off of what happened. There's literally no evidence anywhere. And so the case goes cold. Yeah. Meanwhile, John Berger is spending his summer as a camp counselor John in New Hampshire. Now, this is wild. He's a camp counselor. He's for a kids? camp counselor at like an arts. Like he's teaching kids photography. Oh my. Yeah. God. So he's super cool. Um, now two now here's this is a crazy story. So two campers are taking a dirt road to the post office that summer and it starts to rain. So as they're in the post office, they mail something and they're like waiting for the rain to let up. They're kind of just like walking around and scoping out the post office, waiting for the rain to be done. And they see that the FBI's most wanted list is posted up on a bulletin board. And they're looking at it and they're like, oh, wow, this is so interesting. Like these little kids, whatever. Mm. That's whenever they say, oh, my God, that's Mr. Berger. So they go back to the camp counselor who says, like, okay, I'm going to go look at it myself because kids could say anything. Uh, he sees that it definitely is John Berger. So he calls the FBI right then and there. Okay. So. Red lights. Stop. Time to- I've never heard the Grinch cover that song. Um, no, have you? Every day when I sing it, my house. <laughs> always, always doing it as the Grinch. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. So, LA police get this call. It's 1971 at this point. So they fly him back to LA to prosecute him for Tally's attempted murder, but the parents won't let her testify because they think that it's going to be traumatic for her, which is probably true. Fair. But he is facing a slew of charges, but the only one that they're able to have stick on his record because of jurisdiction with Mexico issues is child molestation. So he pleads uh, indeterminate sentence. So basically the parole board can decide essentially is what that comes down to. So he gets a year and then after a year, the parole board reviews it every single year. And then decides whether or not he's still a danger to society and if he can be released. So it could be he's there for 60 years. But it could be that he's only there for one. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. So not even three years later, he's released. Crazy. Yes. So he's out on parole, but then two months later, he's caught smoking weed with a 13-year-old girl in Huntington Beach. So he's arrested Ew. and given two and a half years after that. That's it. Yeah. But two and a half years for smoking weed out on parole versus literally – Like attempted murder. A literal attempted murder and raping like a child. Rape, yeah. Um. So then he's released again. He asked for permission to go on vacation within his first year. On, and they say yes? Uh-huh. His probation officer said, yeah. Now, remember, Why? this isn't an excuse, but probation officers are so overtaxed. They're probably like, yeah, go, whatever. They don't know the ins and outs of every single case. They have, like, a million of them. Yeah. it's Which is terrible in itself. But he goes off to New York in July of 1977 again. It's a hot summer full of violence, full of murder. Son of Sam murders are happening at the same time. Serial killing is like a big, grand old thing at the time. Sounds super fun. Um, now, Rodney is spending his days in New York taking pictures. He finds a young woman on the street while he's out taking pictures of everyone. And her name is Ellen Hoover. Ellen's father owns, hmm, I hope it's pronounced Ciro. Ciro? C-I-R-O? I think it's Ciro. Not Cairo. No, I remember thinking that I was going to mess this up. Zero. And I, I think it was Zero. Mm, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, it's not, it's not like it really matters. It's a really well-known nightclub in New York. But she's really trusting of others. She loves people. But people, like, she's a known name. So, uh, now the problem timing-wise. So, it's July 13th and 14th is the New York City blackout, which is basically, obviously, whenever New York went completely blackout for two days. Yeah. The entire city. Um, looting and crime were everywhere whenever it happened. And so July 15th, after the blackout, Ellen is not hurt from again. Yikes. So Ellen's mother calls around to some friends, but they, she realizes, wait a minute, no one's heard from her since before the blackout. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, doesn't really know where her daughter has been, if it's only been a day or if it's been three or four, because that's a big difference. Yeah. By the next day, it's all over the papers though. New York City heiress is missing. Ooh. Yeah. So the police investigate Ellen's apartment and find that her calendar has a note on it the day that she went missing that just said John Berger. Like she had a date with a guy named John Berger. Interesting. Yeah. So obviously they had met, but this is pre-computer, so it's hard to communicate across state lines again, which is like the problem we had with Ted Bundy too. It's like at a that huge point, issue. if you're like gonna murder again or like kill somebody, like just make up a different name. Why go with the same fake name? I guess. I mean I mean, it's just, I'm just saying it's really easy to, like, go up to somebody and be yeah. like, oh, my name's Katie And I would have Sanchez. told you that, like, if I was like, oh, I'm going out on a date with a guy, like, this is his name. I would have told you that in the event that if I go missing, you would know his freaking name. Right. So just make him a fake one. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, God, we'd be so nice murders. to meet you. Sandy Cheeks. <laughs> or like literally anything. Hi, like, nice to meet you. I'm Sandy Cheeks. <laughs> that would be me if I was trying to come up with a name on the spot. I'm Sandy. What's your last name? Cheeks? <laughs> I used you to give would. people my friend Darby's phone number. Really? All the time. I used to have the rejection hotline memorized as if I had to give that to anybody. I was in like eighth grade. That was ugly. But I was like, oh, one day I'm going to give someone this number. You had it memorized? Yeah. I don't know. Darby's was the only other number. Well, one of the only So numbers. Darby was getting all these weird calls all the time? I guess so. I mean, not all the time. It's not like I got asked out all the time in seventh and eighth grade. In <laughs> seventh grade, you were such a looker. Or ninth grade. Um, no, it was like middle school. <laughs> it was middle school. Poor Darby. So, <clears throat> um, Rodney Alcala gets a job at a printing agency around this time, but when he's there, he keeps showing photos of nude girls to his colleagues. Hmm. Yeah, this Let's is, see. yeah. Um, but people think that he's artsy, kind of weird, but like not harmless. Like that's kind of the vibe that not they get. Not harmless? No. Or harmless. Kind of harmless. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, the FBI is finally able to connect Rodney Alcala to Ellen. Ho oh, did I say Hoover? It's Hoover. You did say Hoover. Okay. Well, her name's Ellen Hoover. I'm okay. an idiot. Oh, maybe you didn't. Whatever. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Okay. A few months later, they find that he's in L.A. He admits that he had taken pictures with her in Westchester. And he's like, oh, I didn't know she was missing. We took pictures. I dropped her off. 
nudie pictures? Or no. Her, like, on the street? No, like, her on, no, like, they went to Westchester. I guess it was, like, an overlook, and they took pictures, and that was that. And then he dropped her off. They didn't have anything else to arrest him on, so they end up having to let him go, even though they're, like, that something is up here. They have nothing else to go off of Crazy. besides that. So, 11 months later, he is found upstate. Or, I'm sorry. 11 months later, she is found upstate. Not him. Oh. Um, skeletal remains are all that's left at this point. So, there's no forensic evidence. But they just know that Ellen Hover is dead. So, um, November 10th of 1977, Jill Barcombe is 19 years old when she's found in L.A. She's half naked with multiple ligatures on her neck. She's completely mutilated. She's also been raped. They thought that it might be the Hillside Stranglers, which I want to do another episode on at some point, too, because that's a crazy story. Um, because it kind of fit the M.L., like, where she was found. But mm-hmm. Jill Barkham actually had a friend. This is just a weird connection. Jill Barkham actually had a friend that was murdered by the Hillside Strangler. So she was murdered by this guy, and she they was- were murdered by the Hillside Stranglers. Ew. Isn't that okay. so gross? Okay. Anyways. So December 1977, Georgia Wickstead is 27, a nurse from Malibu. She's never showed up to work when – nope. She never showed up to work. She has never showed up to work. She's a terrible work ethic. Um, She never shows up to work one morning in December. Her window was found open when the screen was removed. There's blood in the apartment, and her body is found naked and posed on the floor. That's also important. Charlotte Lamb, 1978, in Santa Monica. She's called later, or she had called some friends to go out later. and go dancing and they decide that they don't end up not wanting to go later she is found in the parking lot of an apartment complex um her body is posed and naked with her back arched and her hands tied behind her back so at the same time now this is the crazy thing at the same time of these murders rodney alcala is bored with his life he's having a midlife crisis as normal people do not just serial killers he's like you know what i know it's gonna help i'm gonna go get famous what yeah, this is going to help him. So, how do you just go? He get ends up <clears throat> as bachelor number one on the dating game oh, who yeah. likes to go skydiving, riding his motorcycle. Now, he's on the show, and we can watch it. We'll watch it after this. He's making sexual innuendos the whole time. Now, this is the okay, so there was a family friendly show, friendly show of the 19, 1968. Now we're in the 70s. So this is like the revamp of the show where they were trying to like it Bring was clearly it a family friendly show. Now they're trying to get more hype for it, and so, so they're now trying to get spicy. Yeah, they're getting a little spicier. The whole thing is sexual sexual innuendos, which probably would have been like ha ha all in good fun if you didn't know that he was a murderer. Like oh my god, it was disturbing. Okay, but we'll we'll watch it. I'll put a clip of it. It's disturbing. So. Um, he's funny and a little bit raunchy, but kind of in a sexy way because he's a good looking man. He's you. <laughs> funny, but raunchy in a sexy way. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you started out like offended by it and then you like grew the life. <laughs> I said raunchy in a sexy way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So. Um, now here's the story of him getting on the dating game. I know I'm stuck there now. Uh, 1978, September, casting directors are disagreeing about him on his interview whenever he comes in to get on the show. Apparently the executive director of the show put NW on his like paperwork for him, which means no way on the audition paperwork. So some had discernment. Others said entertainment. Entertainment, baby. If you pay the price. He said that he had a strange personality, but the casting director's woman, she argues, and she said, look at him. He's charming. He's striking looking. He's gorgeous. Women are going to love him. And so the compromise was he could go on, but he had to be in between two guys with really great personalities. Like they needed to be the complete opposite so that he wouldn't get picked is basically what they did. So contestant number two was warned ahead of time that number one was going to be next to him the whole time. And he was a little bit creepy. And they were like, hey, just like, maybe keep your distance he's a little weird and this guy gets on the 2020 episode and he agrees he's like yeah he was weird like he was just like something off about him and i couldn't put my Mm. finger on him but he was weird um now at the end now keep in mind if you want to watch the clips they're available literally everywhere but at the end rodney alcala is chosen by cheryl she um decides that she so they're gonna go out on a date. So basically the way they do it is like yeah. afterwards they go out and then they go backstage, they talk for a little bit, and then they like arrange the date and the show pays for the date. 
Yeah. Well, the next day, Cheryl calls the casting director, and she says that there's no way she's going out with this guy. Mm. It's not reported why exactly she felt like that or, like, what their conversation was. But she ended up not going out on that date. She said – and she said, like, called and was like, do I legally have to go out on this date? Like, did I sign paperwork that said I had to? And they were like, we can't make you do that. Like, if you feel Thank weird, God, you that feel saved weird. that saved her life. No, it literally did. <clears throat> so shortly after that, Jill uh, – Parento, probably saying that wrong. She's 21. She lives in Burbank. She doesn't show up to work on June 14th, 1979. Her body is found posed, fully naked, a pillow behind her back to prop her up, like in a stagey position. Ugh. What were you going to say something? I was going to say, what is posed? <laughs> like, so sir, it just depends. Like, certain girls were just, like, posed, like, angled really, like, dramatically. <laughs> I know. It's really sad. Were you thinking of the TikTok sound? No? No, what's that? Pose. Pose. You know that <laughs> no, one? I know. That's what I was thinking of. You know what I'm thinking of? No. Oh. You, you would know it. It's I don't know how the rest of it goes. I, I showed you what my TikTok is full of. My for you page is like <laughs> is what? It's You a, better clarify. Uh, want me to play the sound? I no, but I mean now I feel like you have to clear your name because you made it sound real weird. I did, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I cannot. Our sense of humors are either exactly the same or so different, it's absurd. That's such a good sound, though. Is it? Bruh. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, I'm kind of kidding. Okay, so at this this point, Rodney Alcala lives with his mom. Because what the hell else is he going to do at this point? He's been (laughs) killing all the other Rodinas. Robin Samso is 12 years old. Samso. Samso. Kind of a cool last name. Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't you pick the last name Samso? You picked Burger. <laughs> uh, what's that one song? <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Redeemed of the Lord Samso. <laughs> nope. You don't know that song. My dad didn't grow up in church Let like the you. Redeemed of the Lord Samso. No. The redeemed oh, the, the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> but Samso. Oh, it would be so much better if you grew up a Christian. <laughs> I did. I just grew up Catholic. They were a little bit more pious. They didn't do those little shoulder moves you just did. Uh, wait, do you know any hymns? Yeah. <laughs> What's I your- only know hymns. <laughs> What's your favorite hymn? Um, my cousins and I actually sing hymns at each other all the time. What's your favorite? Um, I don't think I have a favorite. There's one that <laughs> there's one they always sing at funerals that my cousins and I laugh at because we. Like, don't, none of us are really Catholic anymore for the most part, but, like, there's always this one song they play at funerals that gets you in your feels every time, the I'll Raise You Up on Eagle's Wings one. That's not and a I hymn. Will raise. And no, I know, oh. that was not a hymn. I know, I'm just saying that's a Catholic song. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, the Josh Groban. No, 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 not that one. Okay. That one's, a, it, no, it's like, oh, that feels good. My, wait, I don't know if this is a hymn, but... My family sings it around the Thanksgiving dinner table every year. Oh, come all ye faithful. That's not a hymn. Is it a hymn? I don't know. Him? I, if you keep saying it, it sounds weirder. It's not a hymn. It's a her. <laughs> Shut the hell up. A man and a woman. Did you not hear about that? What? There was all this ruckus because this guy closed out a prayer and he legit said, amen and a woman. No. What? <laughs> I did not hear about that at and all. And then there's a bunch of memes that were like, <laughs> menu, woman you. <laughs> I did not really? see that. Oh, no. that's funny. Oh, what a weird battle to pick. Okay. Um, Robin Samso, 12 years old. She's blonde hair, blue-eyed little girl. Around 2.30 that day, Rodney Arcala ends up at the beach where Robin and her friend are. Can you sit still? <laughs> he has his camera. He tells the girls that they can be models for him. But her friend grabs her arm, her friend Bridget pulls her arm and says, no, we're not doing that. And takes her out of the side of the camera. What? I'm talking about a 12-year-old being murdered, Maddie. What's funny? Literally nothing. What are you giggling about? Let the redeemed of the Lord say <laughs> so. Stop farting. I'm not. It's a chair. A little bit later on, Bridget. Nope. Let me try again. So then they go back <laughs> to the house. Oh, I'm, Maddie, can you go outside? I'm just going to finish this myself. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> her friend tells her no. Mm-hmm. 
Robin goes to a ballet class at 4 p.m. And so Bridget says, hey, you can borrow my bike. Go do whatever the heck you need to do. So she goes back to her house. But a little bit later on, Bridget gets a call from one of Robin's brothers that asks if Robin has left yet. And Bridget said, eh, she should have been home by now. She left a while ago. So that night after uh, Robin doesn't turn back up, they file a missing persons report. And Bridget completes a sketch that looks exactly like Rodney Alcala. So about two weeks later, a park ranger finds human remains that have been partially eaten by animals. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that. I knew there was, it was either going to be you were going to take that really seriously or you were going to bust out laughing. Okay, I'm glad that I, I only laughed because you went like this. Eaten by animals. Because <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh, which you did. I wasn't going to until you did that. The shoes and the beach towel are identified as Robin's, though. Um, now, they're, uh, the whole family is destroyed, but their mother is particularly distraught about the entire thing. So, it's July 23rd, 1979. Rodney Alcala is arrested. They go to his residence where he's living with his mother, and they see a receipt for a storage unit in the area. The problem is the search warrant doesn't include paperwork found at the home, which I didn't know that was, like, a possibility. But because it's insight, they do write down the information and just keep it. Rodney Alcala is overheard in prison telling his sister that it's a good thing they didn't know about the storage locker. Oh. Yes. So they get a search warrant for the storage locker. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> is keeping it in Seattle, your hometown. Mm. Um, there they find thousands of pictures of other people. It's where he's keeping thousands? all his other fo- Yes, not thousands of murdered people. Oh, but just thousands, thousands of, people. of photos. They find jewelry, earrings. And then they find out that those jewelry and earrings are trophies from murders. So they get wow. Robin's mother to come to identify the earrings. And they find that uh, a pair of them are Robin's. 1980, Rodney is tried for the murder of Robin Samso. During that trial, Robin's mother shows up with a gun in her handbag. And this is at the point where nobody's bags are getting searched. Mm-hmm. So she comes in. There's no metal detector. She's very calm. Her whole family is there. Um, she says Robin's mom's sitting there. And she says that as she has her hand in the bag on the gun, she says she heard Robin's voice in her head tell her not to do it. And the jury deliberates mm-hmm. for less than five hours before Rodney Alcala is sentenced to death for his murder and he's taken to San Quentin. Not his murder, for her murder. Yeah. Um, now, an appeal ends up coming up several years later. The sentence is reversed by the California Supreme Court. Why? The jurors have been improperly informed about Alcala's sexual crimes previously. So now their family has to go through all of this again. Uh, in 1986, That's he's awful. retried. A second jury does convict Rodney again to the death penalty. Oh. So you think it'd be the end of the story, right? Wrong. 2001. Rodney's death penalty is again overturned. He is now 58 years old. He looks creepy as hell. He said that it was ineffective counsel was the reason this time. So Robin's mother's on camera and she said, and it was so sad. She's just crying. And she said, this is like losing Robin again all over each time. Yeah. Um, but this time they analyzed the pouch of jewelry for DNA because now they have DNA evidence. DNA matches four people in the national database at this time. So he's now connected to all the other victims too. Oh. He's 66 when he decides to represent himself on the stand. What's up with people uh, representing themselves? Isn't he like the third one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did Ted Bundy, H.H. Holmes, and him. Yeah. Um, he's gross looking. He This is directly correlated to his narcissism. He They needed to prove, though, that he tortured the women. Basically. Mm. He also had to question Robin Sampson's mom on the stand. He did? Because he was the lawyer. So uh, he had to cross-examine her. Gosh. So she has to talk to this man. Um, so he's speaking directly to her. And so everybody in the jury is watching this interaction. And everybody is disgusted by the fact that this whole thing has to happen. Yeah. Um, so they find him guilty on all charges for all five murders. Now, here's the thing. The testimony that was the nail in the coffin for him was the girl who lived, Tally Shapiro. Mm. She is now an adult with a family who survived. She speaks against Alcala in the trial, and in less than two hours, he's found guilty on all charges, sentenced to death for a third time. Um, Now, the thing is, California then passed a bill for a stay of execution for all current death row prisoners, and showed July 23rd, 2019, was the day that Robin's mom died, and she never got to see him be executed. Which, I have mixed feelings on the death penalty in general, but this man literally escaped death four times. Yeah. Like, oh. Crazy. So, 
2013, New York is still investigating Alcala when they connect him to Ellen Hover and to Cornelia Crilly. Um, then the photos are released to the general public afterwards to see if these people can be identified or if any of them had gone missing. So they just take all of his pictures that were in that storage locker and just publish them. And they're like, if you see anyone in your life who's gone missing, let us know. He might have killed them. Oh, my gosh. So that's all the pictures you can see. Mm -hmm. Yep. You can look them up right now. Wow. That's when they find a picture. Well, so uh, Chris Thornton had a sister. Um, who was the one who was looking for her and her sister had kids who knew that they had an aunt Christine hypothetically somewhere out in the world, but they didn't know if she was alive or dead, but they had seen pictures of her. The one son sends a picture to his mom and says like, this looks like the pictures that you've shown me of Christine. Yeah. And they find a picture of Chris Thornton in the photos on his motorcycle, Rodney on Kyle's motorcycle. The photo was taken where her body was later found. So in 2013, investigators from Wyoming go to talk to him about Christine. They show him the picture. He starts tracing her body on the photo, and he's tapping on the picture, but he's not saying anything. Just, like, silent. And it's recorded on there. It's really gross. Ew, ew, ew. Um, He says that he knows her. He remembers taking the photo. And when asked if he killed her, he just said, are you crazy? What? You can't be a serial killer and then react that way i have yeah i have no idea so rodney is charged with first degree murder but he isn't able to travel i don't know why they just said he wasn't able to (laughs) um so they decide not to try him in wyoming um but it's basically just pretty much fact that he definitely did do it he's just not gonna he's already like gonna be in there for the rest of his life so it sucks because it it, technically she's not a confirmed victim still but she is um he has been given multiple opportunities to share the names of all the victims. He refuses to disclose. They think that he likes having that information without anyone else knowing. And so to this day, there are five convictions and potentially many more murdered women for the dating game killer. Whoa. It's crazy that the girl on the show picked him. Isn't that nuts? And then she refused. Like she could have just gone on the date and been like, I went through all this mess on the TV show. It must've been bad enough. I wonder what the like, the, I know. the comment that he said. Or like I looked it up and there was nothing. So interesting. Yeah, I don't know what the conversation could have been. It would have had to have been something pretty, like, obvious. Like, if you went on a dating show uh-huh. and went through all that trouble to, like, get on and, yeah, like, you know excited. a bad feeling. I feel like I would know a bad feeling of, like, Ugh, there's something weirdly, like, skeevy about you. It would have to be pretty obvious, though. Because if you're like, oh, I just don't know him, like, let's just give it a shot. It's one date. Ugh. I mean, granted, I don't know how much I time could just they see spent. someone easily rationalizing trying it. Yeah. Like, it's cool that she just was like, I have a bad feeling in my gut and I'm just not going to go. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry I laughed. It was one of those things where, like, you, you shouldn't know. laugh at the situation for whatever reason you should laugh. No, I don't you just think, thought it was funny. That's no, funny. I don't think death is funny. I don't think death of anybody, let alone children, because we were talking about, like, a 12 year old. Mm. I just was losing it. On accident. Little babies. It's very sad. Very sad. So that's a dating game killer. So I don't know. There's got to be somebody who's killed someone on The Bachelorette or something. I'm Mm. thinking. You know what I mean? I know. I was thinking about that. Were you? The Bachelorette. Like if someone on there was like a murderer. Wackadoodle. Like not the the main person, but like somebody on the show turned out to be really wack. I I read a book on like how they cast the – the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Oh, yeah. And one of the things they said is that, like, you have to pass a psych evaluation to get on the show. But they purposely pick, like, two or three Crazies. people that are, like – Like, they pass it, but just barely. And, like, have enough tendencies that are, like, going to give the show a little if bit of If you were punch. watching this season, you would go freaking crazy. There's this girl named Victoria. Is she crazy? Bro, I want to punch her in the mouth. Really? She is – crazy i don't know why i'm not watching it right now i just have not caught up anyways you die over this girl on the episode like i would Um, diagnose her probably Haley's more intimidating than me i will live by that and die by that so don't let me go okay bye average and audio